0: What's up, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, and this is your Thursday show. Hopefully, you're having a great Thursday. I want to address, real quick, before we talk about OTAs, a review from Pablo13D. I really appreciate it. I don't know who you are, um, but your review made my day. And listen, I know reviews from from folks who listen to this podcast are going to be broad. They could be people that dislike the show, like the show. That's fine. I'm okay with that, but... Anybody who spends the amount of time Pablo did writing this review, I really appreciate it. Cannot thank you enough for that. Made my day, and I will say, uh, you mentioned following me on Twitter. My Twitter experience has not been the the greatest sometimes, so decided to lock my Twitter down just for uh, the experience of talking to people that I think have uh, nice things to say or uh, bring good conversation to the table. I did that, I don't know, four or five months ago. If you want to follow me and you have requested, I'm really bad at checking that. Shoot me a DM. My DMs are open and I will find your request and, and, uh, and we'll make it work. So I'm sorry about that. If I've missed a follow request from somebody, but I just wanted to let you know uh, what to do there. I'll find you. There's a, a overwhelming number of requests in there. It's hard to find somebody. So. If you do want to follow me, feel free to shoot me a DM, and we'll make that work. Also coming up soon, I have more hats to give away from the Browns Film Breakdown original hats we did when we started this podcast back in 2018, 2017. I don't know. It's been a long time. Um, Yeah, so we're going to give those away soon. I'll let you know how we're going to do those, but excited to give those away soon. I think I have about eight of those to give away, so we'll do that again. Again, just want to say shout-out to Pablo. Thank you for that review, man. Really appreciate it. I'm always open to constructive criticism about the show. Um, But, you know, anything positive to say always does make me feel good about the amount of effort that gets poured into a a seven-day-a-week show as we try to do here at the OBR Film Breakdown. And by we, I mean me. It's most of the time me, unless I'm lucky enough to get somebody to come on the show. Otherwise, I'm recording it solo, editing it, and posting it, and I I think you guys are awesome for listening to it. I'm, I'm sorry it's not always a perfect show with great energy every single day. Try my best. But, uh, yeah, just want to give a shout out, man. Thank you for that. So, moving to OTAs, where we had a pretty interesting day of OTAs, where a lot of things were said and a lot of guys showed up. And, um, you know, on my timeline, I always try to take videos that are out there and give you some context to them. I gave you context to a scheme I saw, the Browns' offense running, which I'm excited about. That's on my Twitter timeline about the Browns running kind of a wide zone play action straight drop instead of a boot. I like to see that little variation. And then noted the, uh, Seven on seven interception, I tried to note what happened in that. Anytime I see them, I try to provide context to what are usually wow factor tweets meant to draw ire on one side of the, the you know, opinion of a player or the other. So try to give context, which is what this podcast is all about, what I've always tried to do since joining this Browns Media Circus. So otherwise, the it, it, it highlights of the OTA session, this is the second week we get them. Miles Garrett was there. They talked a lot about both Kevin and Joe Woods. Miles Garrett getting to the next level, uh, what he has to do, the consistency he needs, what uh you know takes him from being one of the best to the best. Those quotes were interesting to me, uh, particularly Joe Woods, which is you know Miles very talented. For him, it's more about consistency. You look back at some of the plays he left out there last year. For me, playing as hard as possible, as he can on every play because that's what he does. He's unblockable, in my opinion. It's just about improving that consistency. So Garrett gave some quotes, talked about how great it is to have and Clowney back, which, duh, it's great. It's great for him, great for the defense. Those are out there to read from Fred Greetham. Those are all available in Fred's article on the OBR homepage. Other things of note that have come out of this Fred's extra points, Clowney, Joel Batonio, big names that were not there, Jakeem Grant, Jack Conklin, Baker Mayfield, obviously, not there as well. Chris Hubbard was there. He was filling in at right tackle for Conklin, which I think is the obvious original plan for this season. And then Michael Dunn was filling in at left guard for Batonio. I think Michael Dunn is the primary guard rotation player. If he's healthy coming off last year, he had that back issue. I like Michael Dunn a lot, and I know I know uh I know Callahan does as well. Stephen Weatherly was in place of Clowney at defensive end. It means nothing. A lot of these things mean absolutely nothing. As we obviously will see so many parts moving. People get Get a little freak out ish about it. Like Jacob Phillips and JOK were working together as the first two linebackers. They're going to experiment with a lot of different things. Two corner sets: Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom on the outside when they're in base, and obviously when they bring in Greedy, they bump Greg Newsom inside. Taven Bryan, Jordan Elliott were your first defensive tackles that got up. They 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 rotated in everybody else. They'll continue to do that. They'll have different starters on different days. And another thing of note from Fred Harrison Bryant lined up as fullback with the first team, which is my prediction they'll keep Johnny Stanton on the practice squad I think they want to open up that extra roster spot uh, Bryant can obviously do both as long as he's healthy he can be in that role when they need him to be in that role he has done it in the past we'll keep you apprised to all of the personnel decisions and the things that are going to be moving nothing is set in stone it's June it's June 2nd when you're listening to this podcast means nothing haven't even hit minicamp let alone actual training camp where you start to really figure out what their plans are. But I'll continue to try to note as many things as I possibly can about where players, again, are lining up, what schemes I'm seeing, and brief snippets of practice that get recorded. always like to provide that context for everybody whenever I can. We're going to do an interview today where, a a little warning, we're getting into the summer, we're going to have to do some rankings, some listings, some looking ahead, forecasting, talking about what's happened, what hasn't happened. We're going to grade off-season stuff here, three best and three worst moves from Andrew Barry. So, uh, you know, just just the decisions the Browns have made. We want to put those under the microscope a little bit, so I'm bringing on Jordan Zerm to do it. I think it's a really good uh, little interview here with Jordan, about 40 minutes. We go back and forth on a lot of different Browns decisions, so hopefully you guys enjoy it. Let's get over there right now.
1: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
0: Listen, the podcast grinds a bit monotonous. You guys know this. Sometimes we're going to have to do some lists this summer of things as a talking point, a means of conversation, and I wanted to bring on Jordan Zerm. You know Jordan's been on this show many times. Now the deputy editor of social media at the Sporting News. So, round of applause, Jordan. Congratulations. Welcome in. Thanks,
2: man. I appreciate it. It's um, it's good to be back on the pod with you. Uh, it's been a yeah. little bit. So, happy to be back on the pod. Happy to be able to, once again, speak freely about the NFL. And, um, you know, all good things.
0: All good things. We're going to take advantage of your ability to speak freely today. We're going to yeah. task. Listen, this is a, as a as it gets. The three best... Brown's off-season moves and the three worst Browns off-season moves so far. Being fully aware, as Jordan and I are, is two smart guys, that it's only May thirty first, and more moves can be made. As tomorrow is actually Jordan. I don't know if you know this. tomorrow's the official Austin Hooper cut holiday. Did you know that?
2: Oh no, that I did not. I didn't. Um, I don't have enough things hmm. to celebrate with. I uh, I completely forgot.
0: Forgot to mark your calendar. If you were listening to this on. July first or sorry, June first. So the Browns designated an Austin Hooper cut on June first. That's when his money becomes available. Find yourself an open field, go to (laughs) it, take your favorite quarterback, catch a five yard square in, and fall. That's all you gotta do. If you fall down, catch it, fall down, and you have completed the Austin Hooper holiday challenge. So yeah. Also if uh, you
2: if you want one, if you wanna add one level to it, then uh, take that quarterback, have him run a play action by the goal line, be wide open in the back, and just simply not catch it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so you can do the, the five-yard square and catch it. Good hand workout. But then let's you know make sure you get the other side of the, the Austin Hooper experience, which was dropping wide open play action passes. We,
0: we will also accept a quarterback completely overthrowing you as well. So yeah, just, we, just we also have
2: will ready. have a nice overthrow if you want to get that in there too.
0: <laughs> we are terrible. Anyway, on to the challenge. Where you hit leadoff, my friend, we'll start with, we'll go best first, right? That's always how you do it. If you deliver news, you give the good news first, then the bad. Let's do our three best. You hit leadoff. All right.
2: I'll go with, so this, I didn't, I I didn't necessarily rank these in the order of like this one is first best, second best, third best. I just kind of have my three. Um, So I'm going to start with one that's a little, um, I think not under the radar, maybe under the radar. I'll say it. I loved the drafting of David Bell, and I, okay. I loved it specifically for a couple of reasons. One, because as much as I think all of us loved and appreciated Jarvis Landry, it just sort of let them put that to rest and get a guy in a rookie contract who's going to do all of the same things that Jarvis did Maybe you take out the leadership aspect of it, obviously, because he's going to be a rookie coming in. He doesn't quite have that sort of cachet that Jarvis Landry did, and, and that was a huge part of Jarvis Landry's benefit to the team. But it just sort of avoided either having to, you know, the Browns didn't want to overpay Jarvis, obviously. Uh, they were very hesitant and seemed like, you know, it was going to be a very specific number. But you just never know. And I just think like at this point in his career, for as much as I love Jarvis, it, it just wasn't really the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. If you see what I did there. And um, I, do. I, do. I think with David Bell, who I think uh, is going to be fantastic for just like, just slot him in in that role. A younger guy hasn't had all the injuries that Jarvis has had. Like Jarvis's body is just beat up, man, at this point in his career. And you, you just sort of replace him with a guy that I think is going to just catch the ball, going to get you some first downs. Um, you know, run really good routes, like just going to do stuff that Jarvis did, but now he's on a, a rookie contract and he's, and he's a hell of a lot younger and, and fresher. So I, I really loved like where they got David Bell in the third round. I, I really love just what I think he's going to do for this team. Um, and hopefully a guy that will, will be able to stay a little bit healthier um, than Jarvis has this like that, I guess really only for Jarvis really like this last season, um, although he was playing through some stuff a couple seasons ago, but uh, so yeah, I, I just really think that David Bell drafting is like something that sort of went under the radar. I'll admit I wasn't like super familiar uh, with him. Um, Didn't watch a ton of Purdue football, but I, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time sort of watching him and and what he does and and what he's good at and and reading some some smart people talking about him and it just seems like he's going to be a perfect fit um uh, sort of as that slot guy or that guy's going to a, a nice possession receiver for the Browns so i'm i'm very high on david bell and i think it was just a smart way to say you know jarvis you get to go home go to new orleans do your thing like i think this is this was probably the end of the road um but uh, we're going to get a guy who's going to come in here and, and hopefully do some of the exact same things for, for less and, and be a fresher guy. So loved uh, love the David Bell
0: drafting. So I think the Browns sat down this offseason and said to themselves, "How it's going to be hard for this fan base to lose Jarvis and Richard Higgins. Who is the single player that can kind of encompass both of those guys <laughs> yep. in one player? And they're like, all right, David Bell, let's get that guy. And I think David Bell is going to be a nice player. But it's just kind of funny how you can look at him and be like, you know, I see a lot of Jarvis and I see a lot of Higgins and that's kind of funny that they wanted to recreate that, that type of player for them. So hopefully it comes, uh, comes to work out. Well, he's uber talented. I like the pick. I like the value. And I thought he would be a guy that if they didn't end up getting some of the earlier names that they wanted would be of interest to them kind of in that third, fourth territory. So it worked out. I'm going to stay wide receiver and just say Amari Cooper. Like yeah. after the Amari Cooper trade, I mean, we saw a bunch of wide receivers and I know Amari's kind of a fringe one, but to get him for, for a fifth and a, was it a sixth and a swap of fifths or a fifth and a swap of six? I can't totally remember, but I mean, after that now Cooper, his 20 million is kind of in line with a lot of guys. I mean, like Chris Godwin's at 20 million as an average yearly, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, DJ Moore, Stephon Diggs, AJ Brown, Hopkins, Adams, and and Tyreek Hill all took Over I mean, like, okay, Tyreek Hill goes for multiple ones or just a singular one? I can't remember. I think he might have just went for one.
2: Uh, There was so much movement wide receiver wise, this offseason that it all blends together.
0: We know Devontae Adams went for a first and a second. Uh, Hopkins went for a second, which is still highway robbery these years later. A.J. Brown goes for a first. Stephon Diggs went for a first that became Justin Jefferson. Like, these are moves that were made, and he is... You know, Christian Kirk's making 18 million. Amari Cooper's making 20. And I know they restructured Amari's deal, but like, it's just, it was a really, really great move. And I can't, I can't think about enough how that, how well that move worked out the timing wise before the wide receiver market went kind of weird and sideways and how well it could work out for him this year too, with, with pairing him with the quarterback they brought in.
2: Yeah, uh, he was he was sort of a, I, I have an extra one that I'll that I'll slot in for him, but he was also sort of um, on my list too. I I think uh, specifically for the reasons you said, one that now his deal sort of looks like a, a bargain, and I think it's a chance for the Browns to sort of reset what they tried to do with Baker and Odell, and it, it, you know for very obvious reasons that never worked out. But you know you bring in a guy like you said, probably a fringe one right now, but a guy that. Uh, as we know, an incredible route runner. Like he's going to put dudes on skates Um, much as like Odell has done in his, uh, but probably more, a little bit more in his past, but like Amari's still doing it. Um, He's like, Mm -hmm. he's a guy that is going to get open right off the line because he is so like out of the, out of his stance. He's so good. And I think, like you said, now pairing him with Deshaun, like they have a chance to sort of redo this, like, okay, let's get a legitimate one to fringe one guy in here and let's pair him with a, you know really really good quarterback and obviously Amari played with another one in in Dak and um you know so he's kind of used to I I don't know how similar Deshaun and and Dak are but you know guys that are a little bit mobile can get out there a really good arm um and yeah you just bring him in and slot him in there and yeah for what they got him at um yeah it's, I think that's absolutely one of the best moves of the season it's still every time i see him in a Browns sort of practice jersey it's, it's it remains a little surreal very excited about Amari Cooper.
0: Yeah, plus two. You think about how the personality fits, right? Just sort of the—I yep. uh, guess his personality is the Nick Chubb of wide receivers. It's pretty funny. He's so quiet. Uh, like I—I I couldn't even so tell you quiet. what his voice sounds like. No idea. No, I have no, no idea. Um, and then two. What's interesting to me is like this is a real opportunity for Amari to just get pumped full of targets. Like there's no. Yep. Other than now the signing of David and the money they gave him, there is no financial, and this is a thing that happens, whether people want to believe it or not, it all works sort of in tandem here with the talent is what gets paid and all of that. But if you commit big money to a player, you typically have to get them involved. Like you just, you justify it. You get them involved because hey, we're paying that SOB 20 million a year, right? We got to pay him. We're going to we might as well target him because he's really good. So it all kind of works in tandem, but I think David's the only guy that really demands, like, hey, we got to get more out of David and Joku. Otherwise, it's play them as they're fit and see if, you know, fit by the game plan. And this is a season that, like, I mean, Cooper could have 160 targets and I wouldn't be stunned because yep. we haven't seen. I mean, that's crazy for this offense when you think about it because I think Diggs barely got over 100 targets. I, I think that's a little crazy. But, like, as far as a range of outcomes goes, man, like, I could see him getting. 90 because they want to spread it around or like 160 because they say, Hey, we're just going to target this guy all the time. And that's who Deshaun trusts and we're just going to throw it to him. So I I don't see any reason why he shouldn't get at least middle ground of that, like 120 or so just makes sense to me. So hopefully it ends up working out. What's your next one.
2: All right. Next one. I'm going to go with uh, the Browns locking up Denzel Ward. And I think this was important because I, I think we have ever since he's been drafted, um, he's obviously had some injuries and missed some time, but I think we've like just we constantly underrate Denzel Ward. And I, I think it's a product of one his position where it's, you know, cornerback is not um you know, either when they're good, they're not getting thrown at a ton, or the only times you really notice them are for the negative plays when they end up getting beat on something. And I just think like Denzel Ward has since he has been drafted by the Browns, has been one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. Um I think I saw today uh Bucky Brooks put out you know his top five corners in the NFL right now and I think he had Denzel Ward two or three like so you know Denzel has every year for the most part um maybe excluding I forget which year it was the last season year before he had one sort of that was like okay this wasn't the best Denzel year but I just think like it is so underrated to have a guy that you can put out there you just don't have to worry about you know like Mm -hmm. okay he's going to give up some catches there's really good wide receivers and really good quarterback play in the NFL like it's going to happen but I think for the most part and I think you really saw it too against Jamar Chase in that game against the Bengals and just how valuable a guy like Denzel Ward is now he wasn't on Jamar every single play that was very much a collective secondary effort um you know greg newsome got some shots at him and did really well too but like you know denzel with the pick six obviously is a highlight play but he played jamar really well and you are just gonna have guys whether it's in you know the nfc north um or i'm sorry afc north or just you know whoever they're playing there's so many good wide receivers and to just have a guy that you feel like you can just feel confident about every snap to. So to lock a guy down until hopefully you can get after the cornerback or a guy that's going to break up a pass. Like I just think Denzel is, is underrated and um, a guy to lock up. That was, you know, a guy, a homegrown guy you drafted guy that's been, you know, a face of your franchise for a little while now. Like I just think it was really important to, uh, to get him into the full term and um, I'm really glad that they did it. So mine is, mine is, mine is Denzel Ward getting locked up because I really do feel like he's just not, He's not valued in the way he should be by the fans. Like, I just don't think, obviously people love him, but I think his importance is huge because if you take him out of the equation, and we've seen the times when Denzel's been hurt, they've had to sort of shuffle in, shuffle their corners around, and um, he sort of makes the whole thing go in the secondary when he's when he's out there. So uh, I'm thrilled to have him sort of for the long term.
0: Yes, well said. I don't really have much to add to it other than that. I think they're paying him and it means that they think he's going to get even better. And I think, I think there are levels for him to get even better and that's exciting. It's exciting stuff. And honestly, this is going to sound weird, but just pictures I've seen out of OTAs, it's like, I think that guy looks different. He just looks more grown up. Like, you know, he was 21 when he was drafted. What's he? 24, 25. Now he's still super young. Oh young. Yep. But I feel like he looks a little physically bigger, not, not crazy, but just physically bigger. And I'm excited, man. I really think he's going to, continue to try to add bulk to handle the physical targets. I think he handles the guys who are speedy really well, and Jamar Chase is a great example of that. But he wants to add some bulk to handle the A.J. Browns of the world, I think I'm uh, I'm eager to see if he can do that. So that's a great one. My second one is cutting Austin Hooper. I thought they had to do it, but I was a little nervous whether they were going to do it. I thought, like, they have not had – anytime Andrew Berry has handed out either a draft pick or a contract, a bigger contract, they have really – Honored those contracts so far, or those draft picks. As a reminder, you all know this by now, listening to this pod. But the Browns have not cut an Andrew Andrew Berry draft pick, and they decided to make a big decision by cutting Hooper. And I think that there was such an addition by subtraction, where you know that picture Jordan before the season, where it was Baker and Odell and Jarvis and Hooper, and they were all on this vacation. I think they're out in Colorado or something. But that was like a connection, and. Um, I think they kind of wanted to rid themselves of, not, not to say Hooper didn't deserve it. I mean, we just talked about the Austin Hooper holiday here, but like, you know, I, I, I just think it was a big decision to pull the trigger on that signing and take whatever was going to come with letting him go and unlocking potentially here, unlocking the guy we have talked about in David and Joku's contract is possibly a massive addition by subtraction. You give, um, you know, Harrison Bryant more snaps which is which is huge. I think that he needs more opportunity too. And the decision, Like I was initially really upset when I think it was Jeremy Fowler put out a tweet that the Browns had planned to keep him. I'm like, there's just no way. There's just no way they can justify this and continue to bury this better tight end behind him because they pay. And again, this goes back to my point with Amari Cooper and you know, you pay somebody, you kind of feel like you have to justify it. And there was a large part of that going on in my opinion, with justifying the money they paid to Hooper by targeting him. And I feel like getting that roadblock out of the way could be a really big thing for where Stefanski A takes his personnel usage, less 13, more 12, even more 11, and his target distribution, which I think will be really important. So that's why I agree with your Denzel totally. I'm glad we're having different opinions on this a little bit so we get more topics. But I just think Hooper, the removal is going to be really uh, a a big deal for them.
2: Yeah, no, that's really good. I, I think, yeah, you and I have discussed this on previous pods. That, yeah, that was really, you know, I, Andrew Barry's really like first move, and it and as GM, and it also felt like something, you know, like, hey, Kevin, here we go. Like, let's get you know your tight end in here and really, you know, run this offense the way that you know your vision says it should mm-hmm. be run, and. um and and I don't necessarily have an, an issue with that off the bat, but I think it is always really important for front offices in any sport to understand when, you know, maybe it's a sunken cost and it's not giving it's you the so production uh, that you want out of it and having the ability to say, okay, like this didn't, maybe this didn't work uh, in terms of the money that we gave Hooper and free agency. And I think, you know, there were people at the time, like it's a lot of money to give, to give a guy that I think there were concerns about just how good he was going to be able to be. But like you said, like having, I think having Njoku not only opening up targets for a, a better and more talented tight end, but I also think, you know, the saga with David and Njoku, um, I think he's been probably frustrated uh in this offense because he's never been the number one tight end. And uh, I think he feels like he should be. And uh, I think now you sort of remove Austin Hooper and you say, all right, dude, like, let's go, let's see it. And I think it just worked out the best for both parties and hopefully let's like Njoku, um, not relax. I don't think he was ever like pressing, but like, just go out there and be the dude. And I think he's wanted that for a while. It's why there were rumors of trade requests and, and him wanting to maybe try somewhere else. Cause he wasn't breaking through like he thought he should be. And so I think it was just beneficial for both parties. And, and I am, I I always think it's a good sign that hopefully you don't make too many of these signings, but when there is the inevitable signing, that doesn't kind of go exactly how you thought um, to be able to cut your losses instead of just hanging on because of your pride or stubbornness or whatever, uh, that never worked out. So, uh, I'm glad that, uh, that Barry did it. So I'm right there with you.
0: Yeah. I think that that's a great point uh, that you made there about knowing when to pull the plug. I think it's a thing and it's inevitable. Every GM is going to make mistakes. You just can't do this job that well all the time. It's too hard. But do you recognize, like you said, a sunken cost and, um, avoid letting that mistake compound into other players and other Uh, parts of your your franchise and i think they did a nice job with that one so uh, i'll let you go with your third one my my third one is both best and worst and i don't think it takes much uh imagination to figure it out but yeah i'll let you go with your third
2: cool so yeah i'll you know i i have that one on my uh yeah i'll I'll touch on that one later as well but um i'm just going to go with the re-signing to devian clowny um Mm -hmm. i think that had the browns not been able to do that. it would have been kind of going back at least for me to the couple, the early years of miles Garrett's career where he really didn't have outside of maybe Olivier Vernon. Um, he didn't really have anybody across from him, um, that made it so he wasn't going to get doubled or tripled (laughs) like on every time they snapped the ball and, Mm -hmm. um, and, and really limited his impact. And I think that just, do I expect like Clowny to have as good of a year as he did last year? No, like I think there's going to be some regression. I think that if you just look at Clowney's career, um, whether it's been injuries or or whatever, it's just a lower production. Like he's had some years where he struggled and it hasn't been as good. But it really feels like both how Clowny talked about Cleveland and like you just saw how excited Miles Garrett was when they resigned him, and Miles Garrett was stumping for him to come back all offseason. Like I just think it it was important both because you need that other edge rusher. And without him, it just makes outside of miles the the defensive line looks like a little bit of a question mark. Um, But I think too, like just miles being thrilled with it. um, And I think Clowney, hopefully being thrilled with it as well, like getting those two guys back together, where they played so well off of each other. um, I think it was just really important because I think had, you know, Clowney gone somewhere else and maybe he has a bad year, you know, and maybe it, 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 that just is, comes with the, the territory of and Cloudy, But I think like this is the spot where like he obviously flourished, had one of the best years of his career last season. And um, you hope that you can kind of repeat that in in some sort of semblance. So uh, I think that signing him was pretty crucial. Um, I do appreciate the the sort of waiting out his market period. The Browns are very good at this. They're not going to budge off of, you know, the number that they think um, equals your value. So, you know, respect to, to the front officers for doing that and getting him at a number that they felt, um, was best for the team and best for for their salary cap, but uh, I just thought it was really important to bring him back. So uh, I'm glad he's back in the fold, and I think Miles, based on all of his Instagram posts and and have what he said publicly, I think Miles is pretty thrilled too. And keeping Miles Garrett happy uh, should be a big priority for the Browns. So I am uh, I'm all for it.
0: Yeah, I still think he's like he's he's still yo clowny. Like, yep. like, Clowney. Like he still carries that like man. That's that's Clowney. Like he still carries that you know, we got to remember a lot of these guys are young. When was the South Carolina Michigan game? Was that like 2014?
2: So it's probably way. Yeah. Like, I don't like to think about how long ago it was now.
0: (laughs) It's been a while. It's been longer than, yeah, we want to talk about, but he still is like for these young players an iconic type of guy. Now, if you simmed Clowney's career 10 times, I think this is probably in the lower third of outcomes, not to say he hasn't had a good NFL career, but like, just, you know, like, hasn't been the dominating guy that we all thought he was going to be truly dominating, never got a massive second NFL contract. So things haven't really worked out perfectly, but I I do think that, you know, to your greater point here, he carries weight for them. He brings with his signing a boost of we can go places. We might not have been able to go without him and like, that might not be true in reality, but it feels like the way you listen to Walker and some of these other guys talk about him. He does bring that still. So you like to your point might not be a great year. He might not stay healthy. Who knows? But I do like the off-season feel of it as we sit here on May 31st, one day ahead of national Austin Hooper cut day, the feel <laughs> of the clowny signing. So I'm with you. I'll just say mine. We've talked we've all talked about it a lot and there's you know more things that have come out tonight here, and and we'll see what continues to happen. But they had to upgrade quarterback. I'll give them credit. They they upgraded quarterback, so that's the best thing. They they got away from Baker Mayfield. That's a best and a worst because with Deshaun Watson comes a significant amount of prolonged baggage. Right? You know, and 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 I've talked about this in different angles in terms of even when this all blows over, it will all blow over eventually. Believe it or not, it will. Every time he does something significant, you're going to hear about it. You're going to hear about it five years from now, ten years from now, whatever. And you know that might be something you're okay with personally. That's cool. But to me, it kind of sucks. It kind of sucks to always have that cloud there. And you know, it was something that we saw so many Cleveland fans throw at Pittsburgh for all their success. And maybe again, that's okay to you. Maybe that success it doesn't matter. That's your that's your opinion. That's cool. There are people on the other side of it who don't who have been driven away from all this. It's both. To me, just me, Jordan, a best thing about what they did this offseason, significantly upgrade quarterback, but the worst because of what, one of the worst, because of what it brings with it and the stigma that's placed on the franchise. So there's a lot there. And I think you have probably unpacked it with uh, other podcasts and stuff the way that I have, but it just fits both bills for me.
2: Yeah, I think that's well said, um, because obviously from a football standpoint, he's one of the top. I think to me one of the top five, top seven most talented quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Like he's mm-hmm. really, really good. Um, I think I've said this to you before, but like I, I always wanted Deshaun on the Browns. Like I, I wanted them to draft him. I, you know, watching him in Houston. Like I mean, he's an incredible football player to watch. He's going to bring, uh, he's going to bring so much to this team, and they're going to benefit greatly because of it. But uh, yeah, I, it is tough to. You know, between today with a 23rd accuser coming out uh, with a with a civil case between watching the, you know, the HBO Real Sports and and watching the women, you know, a couple of the women give their sort of side of the story, which is not something that we had gotten to kind of previously see, which was, you know, tough, tough and difficult to watch. And um, it's just always going to feel even when, you know, however this gets resolved, if it gets settled or, you know, whatever happens, it's just all, even when it's done with, it's just going to feel really gross. Like, that's what I just keep coming back to is that, like you said, you can't think about, I mean, maybe some people can and, and plenty of people do, but like, you can't, I, I am never really able to separate sort of, you know, art from life, as they sort of say it, you know, like when, you know, whoever you're talking about, there's lots of people in the entertainment business that, um have had things come out that are gross and you look at them in a different way. And it's, it's hard. Like I just will always, it's always going to feel like that. And there is a big part of me that wishes the Browns had just signed Matt Ryan to a one-year deal or whoever, it, you know, whoever was out there. Now, were you going to reach the heights that you're going to reach with Deshaun Watson? No, like it's obvious. It's very obvious why from a football standpoint, they went after it. I just hope that they are, And when I say they, I mean, the Browns front office, the coaching staff, everybody that pushed for this, I I hope they're ready to live with sort of the results of it
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, from the suspension. That's probably coming to, you know, are, is there more, like, you just don't know, you know, with this stuff, how are there more people out there? Like, is there other stuff that'll come out? I'm sure he's assured them that there isn't, but you just, you know, you just never know. And I hope that they, I think I saw Rich Eisen today said they, they sold their soul for him and they did like, I think that's a really accurate way to put it. They, they sold a large part of themselves for this. Um, And it's, I just think it's always going to be tough to separate, you know, separate that out from, from the quarterback, but the quarterback is really, really good. And there's going to be some games that are going to be incredible this season. And the Browns hopefully are going to, you know, get deep into playoff, but yeah, like you said, it's it's tiring having that cloud that's just always going to be there. It's tiring for us who didn't really have any say in the matter, that just want to watch the Browns and just want to watch uh, good football and be entertained and and not have to think about, you know, oh, right, this is who, what this guy maybe is. So it, it's just going to yeah. be tough. It's going to be tough the whole season. And um, I don't really know how to deal with it yet. You know, this is such a new thing. I mean, there's obviously guys like Kareem Hunt and, and other players that have had you know, allegations against them and things, but this is on sort of a different level of a guy that plays for a team that, that we root for, you know? So um it's going to be an evolving thing. Uh, but yeah, there, there, I think there will always be a little bit of part of me that wishes they had just uh, something he had, he had picked the, the dolphins or the saints or somebody else and we just never even had to worry about it. But that's not the case. And this is where we're at.
0: Let me ask you this question. This, this isn't really the point of the pod, but in the midst of your points there, many of which I agree with, I got to thinking: Is there is there ever a path here where you feel better about him? Is there is the let's say this: say he wins the civil cases, and they find that he is not. Um, I don't know what the answer is for civil cases, Jordan. I mean, is it not guilty? I don't. I don't know. Do they still do guilty, not guilty? I don't know. Say say yeah, that he I'm is not sure exonerated. Is there a yeah. is there a path there for like? well, you know, I don't know. What what are we supposed to do here? You know, that's an interesting thing to me. Like, you know, the criminal stuff came and came and went and they didn't charge him. And I get that if the civil case is come and go and he's not, and I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm just saying like, there's a range of outcomes of things that could happen. It could happen. Is at that point you, you just say, well, what are we supposed to do? Or I don't know. I'm, I'm curious your, your opinion on that.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, he has certainly, um, you know, maintain that he didn't do anything like he, you know, he had, he has no regrets and, you know, all all that, which I I didn't think was super prudent of him to uh, say in that presser, but like he, whether he's telling the truth or not, he is holding on to the, you know, this is, uh, I did, I didn't do what they're accusing me of. And um, so, you know, yeah, if they're gets to a point where either he settles or yeah, I'm not exactly sure what the exact outcome of, of civil cases is, but I think for me, it's going to be like, yes, it, maybe it will feel like, okay, you know, this is done and over with and and he's maintained his innocence and, and this is where we get, I just, I, you know, I, as, I think how to phrase this is what i believe and what i usually know about the justice system when it comes to people in in powerful positions and of of some celebrity i just am never going to be sure that you know he just i don't think i'm ever going to just be like okay he didn't he did not a single thing to 23 different people so it's very i think even if he gets cleared from that standpoint i, I still think there's some you know he's into some strange stuff <laughs> so it's like there's just, I think that's going to linger no matter what. Now, will it be a little bit, you know, lighter than thinking what would have, you know, how we'd feel had he been, you know, they chose to indict him or, you know, if there's going to be some um, some admission of some guilt for, for some of the things that he did, which he doesn't appear to be willing to admit or anything like that. So, I don't know. It'll be lighter than that for sure. I think I'm just always going to feel a little a little, eh, just about how the whole thing kind of happened, the money they gave him, the, how hard they went after him, all that stuff. It's just going to yeah. feel a little uncomfortable, and I think it always it always will, but I think there will probably be levels of it depending on depending on the outcome of the civil cases, for sure.
0: Yeah, I think I think the thing that's interesting is if he settles, then it doesn't change anything, right? He's yep. admitting it at that point, and I get you could settle without admitting it because you just want it to go away or whatever, but If he fights it, if he takes it all the way to the end and they prove not guilty again, and I'm, I'm an idiot here. I don't know the, the, how the civil stuff works. Like if they say he's not guilty, that's where it would be like, you'd at least think you'd at least think about it because that's two levels of court that have said he's not guilty of any wrongdoing. And that would, that would probably be the thing that would singularly have to happen to change the course of his public opinion, not locally like me and you, but Nationally, and I'm not sure it would still because sometimes allegations are are just uh just sort of the way they are, and they stick with you forever. But at least in today's age, and and uh, I don't know, it would just throw a wrench into everything because we we have a pretty good idea of where this is all headed. Uh, the result, the the suspension, and the cases. I mean, I think the odds-on favorite, if if this were as sick as it sounds, a gambling thing, would be that a yeah. settlement is going to happen. But it doesn't appear to be going there right now. So if they do take it to the finish line and try to figure out uh, a ruling from a jury, that's where the only place that he could really sway broad public opinion. We'll see if that happens. So that's my first worst. What is your, I, I don't know if you, you probably also had Watts. So what's your second one?
2: Yeah. Um, the second one, I, I was going to say like they sort of the inability to sort of, and this is both by what the market was um, and where there is some of their maybe greater needs were, but the, they still just don't have that interior defensive line presence. Um, and you know there was some some chatter about Dominic and Sue um, and Akeem Hicks. Um, and none of those you know really came to fruition, whether they were worth it or not or you know sort of I guess a different argument, but they're, they're still just I think what the Browns have been you know unable to do for a while is just find a disruptor in, in the middle. They've had guys that have been good against the run, but they just haven't had guys that are sort of disrupting from from the interior. And I don't think anyone is asking for Aaron Donald, but you know, looking for for a DT that is going to be able to, you know, get through and get to the quarterback and they just really haven't been able to um have that guy. I think, you know, with, with Larry Ogunjobi was interesting. Like he was a guy that I think flashed um in spots and and played well in spots and I think he kind of did the same thing in Cincinnati where, you know, there were games where he you noticed them. And then there were games that you didn't, Um, but they just haven't really been able to find that guy. Um, You know, they took a chance on week McDowell and, you know, that didn't really fully work out. And uh, so I, I think you just imagine this defensive line and what it could be at like full operating capacity. And they just haven't outside of, you know, the, the edge they've taken care of, but man, it just seems like they are, banking on some, some unprovenness and some, Hey, you know, let's get, let's get by with miles and today, which like is not the worst idea in the world. I just think if there is a a critique of sort of the off season and and where they could have gone, it would have been maybe to push a little bit harder for that uh, for some interior help, because then even if it's a guy that, you know, it doesn't have to be a pro bowler, but a guy that's going to just kind of consistently let miles and to kind of just fully work, outside whether those are one on ones or just guys are focused uh, on the interior too like you just all those parts sort of need to work in concert and they the Browns just haven't quite done that yet so that's going to be my that'll be my number two
0: yeah I would say that's why I've been doing so much study on Perry on Winfrey because people want to give this guy the idea that he's going to be a huge part of things and I'm like well okay why is he there in the fourth round like let's really mm-hmm. get to the bottom of this because you know people are talking about encouraging teams to run and i'm with that like if your dts are bad and teams think well we can run all over them usually the the running outcome is better than your passing outcome so like let's teams wanting to run is a good thing and i'm i'm with that for the most part but if you're saying hey we want dts that are just pass rushers that's all we want okay well they're not very many good pass rushers in this group either like winfrey's got some potential here but you're not looking at a bunch of good pass rushers either so it's like i don't know man you could they're bad and it might not matter it really yep. might not it might not change many outcomes at all but it's a strategy and and we'll see what that strategy ultimately looks like but to me it was just it's just interesting it's an interesting move it's on my list i have a different third one so i'll tweak over to the different third one but yeah i mean again it might not matter at all it's very possible it doesn't but it is a huge issue like it's they're they're ter- they're laughably bad in that group right now they could get But again, they could, you and I tend to do this. I'm sure you and I'll get together before the year and talk about, you know, the, the, it's always optimistic. Well, what's the negative look at the season, right? We try to do that every year. Um, Maybe some of these guys develop finally, maybe Jordan Elliott takes a step. Maybe Tommy Togiai is uh, gets himself to a replacement level or something. And maybe Winfrey's a lot better than we think he is, or, you know, at least uh, his draft position told us. So I don't know, it could happen, but to me it's, it's a bold move it's a bold move and we'll see if they address it in the future or whatever but it's it's justifiable that the ignoring this position we could look back at the end of the year and be like oh god that was that was tough It was tough to watch those guys play and there were times where that group you know sort of cost them games or cost them series right so we'll see that's a good point and i think most people would say that but i think it's also fair to illuminate that it's um it's it might not really matter much that they're bad there so we'll see i put i put in joku and it's not because if you've been listening to me lately not because it is is a really a it's just such a stupid answer cuz we're ranking the worst moves i just think it comes with a lot of prediction and that can end up being something that really hurts you it, 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 it let me put it this way it's the single move that they made that could that could set them back this offseason it could work out and i think it has a really high chance to work out but it could it they put themselves at the most vulnerable is that the way to put it jordan they made yeah. themselves the most vulnerable they have with any deal with this one and i'm including hooper because at least hooper was coming off nice production in atlanta you really yep. have not seen that from David. Now, again, you don't have to convince me. I can, I get it. I've painted the picture as best I can. But I think you have to be realistic here and say, even the, even the strongest Joku supporters have to be realistic and say, this could end up working out kind of poorly in a couple years. So they did put themselves on the line, and they didn't do a ton of the, they have at least not in their history, done a ton of these types of moves. So it does come with some pretty big risk, man yeah
2: no i I wouldn't blame you at all like i've been I've always been high in joku but I would be the first to admit that yeah he's been unbelievably inconsistent um, during his time with the browns I think what the hope is here is that giving him more snaps and more consistent targets will help that consistency I think it's hard to stay in that sort of wide receiver rhythm when you know, you're, you go a game and you get two targets, you know, and then there's another game where, Oh, okay. They they threw it to me five times today, but then, you know, you're right back and maybe you only get one target and it's in the red zone and it's a bad ball and you have to do everything you can to try and come down with it. So I, I think the hope with him is, is that is like, you're the guy, you're tight end one, you know, like you've got a great quarterback, like this should, we are, providing you an environment this season now where you should be able to thrive, but you know, he's gone through streaks where he can't catch the ball, you know? So it's like, and it's simple stuff. He's always been a guy that's been able to make highlight catches and he has that sort of athletic ability to to get up and high point the ball. And he's going to be able to do that stuff with whoever is covering him. But there's been, you know, far too many times where he's just dropped very simple and easy passes. Um, And I think that's probably been the biggest critique of him throughout his career. So, uh, I think like as a, you know, we all know how athletic he is. We all know the stuff he can do. He should be a terror in the red zone. Um, You know, he's shown flashes of that, especially last season, had some really nice kind of jump ball catches in the end zone that you make you go, wow, like this dude, like this David Ndoko could be really, really good. But yeah, man, you're right. I mean, if that's just who he is and after what three, four seasons now, like there's, there's obviously those questions um, but he was in a jam tight end room and he never really had the chance to sort of establish himself because like we previously discussed because of the sort of like we paid Hooper all this money. We got to, you know, get him the ball more than any other tight end. So um, I'm hopeful that David can, you know, you think about I, this one probably stands out in my mind because I was at the game, but the the game against the Chargers where, you know, he gets that, what was it a 10 yard pass and takes it 60 some yards to the house. Cause he's just, he bulldozes a dude and then he's just sprinting down the sideline and he's moving like someone who is not a tight end. Like he was, you know, he was moving, he was on his horse. And those are the types of things where you're like, yeah, this dude could be a game changer. He could be one of the better tight ends in the NFL. He just hasn't shown the consistency yet. So I think that's what they're banking on. But yeah, I, I, I hear you. Like if it doesn't come to fruition and he's just that inconsistent guy, and now he did, they don't really have any other you know tight end help and they're just relying on him then yeah it won't it's it probably won't look great so you kind of have to hope that um this this opens up for him and he can do his thing
0: yeah the outcomes are kind of wide here so we'll hope it like we said hope it works out what's your yeah. third one All right, my third one so
2: this is sort of kind of off of the Deshaun thing but more i think just how this whole thing has played out with the quarterbacks and and this is more on the side of like just how this thing has played out with Baker Mayfield. Now I, I would have replaced Baker Mayfield with probably anybody. Like literally it's like, I think we had a conversation on a pod about like Marcus Mariota. Like I don't even, it was to the point where like, I think my feelings and our feelings on, on Baker as the quarterback were pretty well known. And this is not like, Oh man, the Browns are,
0: Wait didn't Baker. didn't you and I record a whole pod on options and then they like yeah. Watson yeah the next 12 <laughs> yeah. hours just yeah that's, yeah. that's yeah. audio yeah, floating sure out there that I never published yeah
2: that's yeah. great yeah. yeah it is out there so yes we did have that conversation um but I think like just what one like what it's become and I think the Browns probably had to know that like Baker was going to go do some public podcast and air out his grievances and they probably didn't care um, they probably were just like, you know, Baker's going to do what he's going to do, but it's just been very, the whole situation, all of it from the Deshaun stuff to then Baker basically just still being on the roster, doing a podcast so he can like, you know, be like, I feel mistreated and disrespected and, and all of this stuff. And now getting to the point where teams have sort of called their bluff and, and are not going to, you know, there's been multiple reports over the last few weeks about, you know the Browns wanting teams to take on x amount of a salary and team just being like absolutely not like the Browns don't have any leverage there, and I, I I think just all of it has just been not a great look in general um i'm I'm loath to kind of be like, uh, you know, like Baker, ah, oh, they're you know maybe they could have handled this a little bit better, but I do think there's probably some truth in that in that you know this could have gone a bit of a smoother way with, with Baker on the outset, like this probably ended as poorly as possible. And now he's just kind of in purgatory Um, and you don't, I think you want to avoid placing players, especially somebody you took number one overall, kind of just like in this purgatory, especially a guy like Baker, who's just gonna, you know, he's going to say stuff and you're just going to have to accept it. So they're just in an awkward spot with all of it and an uncomfortable spot with all of it. And um I think there was probably a chance to handle it a little bit better than they did. Um, So I think that's just, uh, this is more of a, I guess, a PR thing and and how the organization looks. But I think in terms of like maybe how we looked at Andrew Barry and Kevin and not saying I look at them like super differently or anything, but I think there's been some surprising stuff in the way things have, have gotten handled uh, over this off season. And, you know, they, they are where they want to be. And, you know, this will all, I mean, you and I talked like the Deshaun thing, probably not, but the Baker thing will, whenever he's out of here, it'll probably be a forgotten thing and, and the Browns will have a great season and nobody will really worry about it anymore. But for right now, it's just been a, it's been super weird. Um, sometimes you forget Baker's still on the roster and it's just like, man, this, this turned so quickly um, and went so, just went so sideways Um and it just has not been the best look for the organization. So I think I'm just putting that full, the whole quarterback thing, but focusing a little more on Baker this time around, who, again, like I really would have taken like gimme Nick Foles. That's an exaggeration, but like I was, I'm good. Uh, but I just think, man, like it just, the whole thing, you know, like it's a bad, like I need a cold shower. It's just a bad taste and it's just, it's just been weird, man. It's been a weird off season with quarterbacks for the Browns.
0: I will. I will look forward to someday. Might be twenty years from now when we actually hear from the people involved in all of this. Who the lead decision oh, makers goodness. were, who uh, you know, who who ultimately really wanted these decisions to be made, and how okay. seriously they okay. thought they were actually going to get Watson's attention. I still believe they didn't think that they were actually going to land him. I, I really don't think they did. Um, if they were very, very confident in it, I think they would have given themselves a chance to have some leverage on the Mayfield thing. I believe that. So anyway, uh, we'll close with my third one, which is not nearly as heavy as yours. It's just Troy Hill's decision, (laughs) the decision to trade him. Uh, I think it's interesting. It's interesting to me. Like they drafted Martin Emerson who again could be a guy who they play inside against bigger slots or tight ends, but Troy Hill just a vast amount of experience in the slot. And while Troy, dealt with some injuries last year and wasn't as good. And maybe according to what the Browns do defensively with their grading metrics and how they view their players, maybe they really didn't like him. There could be even more behind-the-scenes stuff. I don't know. I just thought it was kind of a weird thing. And now you have Newsom in there, who I I love. Listen, man, Newsom's shooting up my favorite Browns boards. Uh, He he made a comment that Browns posted today uh, the things you need to have at a cookout which you know to me ribs chicken macaroni were the main things i would agree with mm-hmm. most of those his answer by far the funniest one go find it in the two minute uh, little video is pretty funny he's just he's a funny dude very smart and and very very hilarious when he gives a quote but having him as a first round pick be your slot corner i think he will be good at it but it's like that's interesting usage because you don't typically pay slot corners much money they don't And I think the NFL is evolving. We've seen the NFL evolve at a lot of things lately. I think it's evolving, but you typically see the Troy Hill types, the UDFAs or mid to late round guys get moved inside and they find a niche there. They don't make a ton of money, even the best of them. So it's interesting to me how they're using Newsome because we saw him last year. Very good outside corner. Very good. So to move him as a full-time inside guy is a bold move and it's just it's just peculiar I don't know what it'll ultimately look like years from now when you go to the to the to the discussion table with him for a second contract like there's a lot of moving parts there and it's kind of brazen and it because it, it puts him in line of run game more often because the the Browns the way they work their fallback fits and their natural run game stuff their nickels heavily involved in how they play run fits so not that gray can't do it it's just again it's like exposure to more hits over the course of 18 games so we'll see how that shakes out they go into this year without really a proven nickel player that was another kind of adding into this the mj stewart thing was i was not all too keen on letting him just walk as i thought he was a really nice member of the secondary by the end of the year like i would i would really rather have mj stewart than i would have ronnie harrison personally but um yeah i don't know man that's just that's like my, my last little nitpick really is It's going to be a situation at nickel that carries some risk and we'll see what they do, but I'm just uncertain about how to project that position.
2: Yeah, it was, yeah. The Troy thing was so weird, especially because they ended up just sending him right back to LA, you know? So it's just a very like, okay, well this clearly didn't work, whether it was on field stuff or off field stuff. And part of me thinks, yeah, for whatever reason, maybe there were just some locker room things going on or, or whatever it was, but it was like, yeah, it's like he never left you know, the Rams at all. And he's right back. So, um no, it is very weird. And I, I agree with you on the Newsome thing. It's like, yeah, I mean, they must have, you know, some idea that like, Hey, this is, uh, we, we think he'll thrive here and we can do this. But yeah, I mean, he, he really turned into a really for his rookie season, like played his ass off outside. Um, so it is an interesting move. And it's one of those things that, yeah, you just kind of note. um, And right now it's a little curious. So um, who knows what happened there with Troy, but it clearly, uh, it clearly came and went pretty
0: quick. Really quick, really quick. This is fun, man. Um, He's Jordan Zerm. I'm Jake Burns. This was a episode tied around three decisions on on both the good and bad. I hope you enjoyed it. I think it was a really good interview, a good episode. So make sure to continue to check out Jordan on Twitter and, and obviously following Sporting News and all of his movement, and we will try to get him on this pod anytime. Jordan says, "Hey man, I'd like to talk about the Browns with you." It's an instant yes from my side. So hopefully, you enjoyed this episode and continue to follow and and uh, make Jordan a part of your regular football schedule. We appreciate you, man.
2: Yeah, man. Again, it's it's great to be back on here. Been too long, um, and uh, yeah, should have a little a little more time now. Um, now that I won't have to be watching three hundred football games at once every Sunday. So uh, looking forward to it.
0: Huge shout-out to Jordan for taking time to do that interview, talking through all of those different various decisions that have made and uh, been made in this offseason, good and bad, and trying to provide some context to all of those. Hopefully you enjoyed it. I'm sure there's some that you agree, some that you disagree. That's okay. I meant to have discussions that are going to be different point of views, different perspectives, and I think that's what makes podcasting and radio and all that stuff pretty fun, is you can get a little fired up about it. A reminder, thanks to Pablo appreciate that so much, man. I wish I knew who you were. I tried to find you. Can't figure it out. DM me. Anybody wants to follow me? You've requested. It's been a while. I've never answered that request. DM me. I'll figure it out. Get you on, and we will have discussions on Twitter all the time. Thanks for joining today's episode. We should have John Colosimo tomorrow, hoping so, Should should his schedule permit. So that's going to shake out in the right way, hopefully. So, have that fun Friday episode for you. Otherwise, guys, have a great Thursday. Continue to check out the OBR. We're gonna have a lot of really good content from Jack Duffin about the 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 broad salary cap perspective after the Injoku signing, and then um, we're gonna look at some Isaiah Thomas film from Corey Kennan. We got some really good stuff getting posted, and a, a nice analytics piece from Cody Sook. So check out the OBR. Consider joining us for all the great perks, among many of them, great football content. Great insider insights from everybody on the staff. And then uh, you also get Paramount+, Plus, which is pretty cool, too, if you sign up in the right fashion. So appreciate you again. Thanks for checking out this episode and supporting the OBR. Have a great Thursday, and go Browns.